Cavus, I, I, I can't help but I can't help but think, you know, between all the laughing and stuff we do, how many times I've been in that spot, and I, you know, because we've talked about just almost ready to freak out because of the stuff that that creates all sorts of anxiousness around us, and you, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, and it's amazing you bring that up because I think uh, anxiety is almost seen as synonymous with leadership. But as you're speaking, Dave, uh, when we activate our sage uh, side of ourselves and our brain and our bodies, uh, then all these positive things, when you mentioned fearlessness, I think is almost the antithesis of anxiety, that we are not concerned or afraid of what might happen, but more working towards what we can control and what we want the outcome to be. Is that easier? Is one, is that a fair assessment? And two, is that easier said and done and than done? And what can we do to be more fearless leaders, not reckless leaders, but more fearless leaders to uh, mitigate our anxieties as leaders? Well, um, yes, you, you, you said that well, Cavus, and, and, and um, the, the, the idea of fearlessness is, is really a, a sage um, trait. That's, that's what it is about. And, and, and to get there, we have to acknowledge where we are um, and, and our awareness. Liter- literally, um, we, we come with, um, okay, some insight. <laughs> insight is good. Being aware is is a wonderful thing, and and I, I don't recall who said it, but uh, what we we need more the the gap between being unaware and aware is smaller than being aware and doing something about it, okay? Or so <laughs> we need we need to put effort into doing something about what we know. We forget most things. Uh, educators understand that we lose eighty seven percent of what we learn. So in, insight is 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 nice. But we need to build the mental muscle to actually do something about it, and it requires work. When thinking about the sage, and, and the sage, that, that's the, those regions of the brain that, that where the positive emotions exist, it's typically peaceful and calm. There's clear-headed focus. Uh, we are creative and, 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 and ingenu- we have a lot of ingenuity. And we're, we see the big picture. We might see where we want to be, the values that are important to us, how they're living out in our lives and in our teams and in our organization. We see that. That's where, uh, that's, that's all part of the, the, the brain that allows these sage activities to happen. Now, the first requirement of this is to uh, develop a sage perspective. And I'm going to say at the outset, this might be hard for some circumstances and some, some, some people. The sage perspective is really believing that for every outcome or circumstance, everything that happens, it can be turned into a gift or an opportunity. Everything in our life. Okay? The, the, the gift may be knowledge. We learn something, so we don't repeat what has happened in the past. It might be a new skill. <laughs> um, we might learn how to put our kryptonite 
<laughs> in the right spot and, and really move forward with a new power. Or it may be a way to hold on to those catches <laughs> the quarterback throws our way. Or it might be something inspiring. Perhaps something terrible has happened in our life, something tragic, and we've learned something and have been, ins- been inspired to spend our time in our life doing something about it. And, and I think of the, the, well, the story Mothers Against Drunk Driving. Uh, the founder of that did not start with a, uh, you know, a good thing happening, losing a child to uh, a drunk driver. They ended up um, building well, probably a, a global uh, organization that has changed and arguably saved many, many, many lives. Okay. So, so that's the a first step is believing that uh, there is something good that will come out of everything, even the saboteurs in other people. <laughs> when you're in the room with a controller, oh my gosh, um, the the reality that we will um, have neuron receptors that mirror what's going on. Somebody wants to control. Well, we want to control back. <laughs> All of a sudden, there's this dialogue going on, this dance. Um, instead of uh, accepting it and, for what it is, and maybe turning it into a teacher, <laughs> say, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna learn about control, what what works, what doesn't, and I'm gonna get my gift is gonna be knowing what not to do <laughs> in other circumstances." But that's that's uh, that's the first step. Wow, um, Kavis, I'm trying to make notes of all this, but but I can't obviously. Obviously, I'm gonna have to listen to this podcast a few times to make sure I get it, catch all the notes. So, so this this sage, um, you know, you, when, you, when you talk about every bad thing that happens, that a sage can, it's breaking through to see it as a, as an opportunity to, like I said, to, to learn something to develop a skill, you, you know, it, it forces, it creates sets of circumstance that forces you to either either change or, or, or be, be killed, I guess you want, to say, you want to say it that way. But what else does it, what else does it do? Because there's some folks that just, they just seem so smooth when things, when things happen. And I'm like, is that, is that just a, an act? Are they, are they actually smooth with it? Like, you know, and, I, and you see it over a sustained period. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I, I was listening to Chester Elton uh, on a podcast the other night, uh, being interviewed by, I, I, I think it was our mutual friend, uh, Craig Dowden, on his podcast. Uh-huh. Um, and Chester was talking about the duck principle and how in his practice he has talked about it so much over the years. You see these ducks come by or the geese come by and they look calm and graceful and peaceful below the water. <laughs> There's there's chaos there. <laughs> They're moving and paddling forward, backward, left, right. You know, there's a, a lot of energy there. Uh, so, like, like uh, you know, so the people that have it all together, yes, they they may be able to, um, to project that image. Um, but uh, I I can assure you that that not that many people uh, have it. Life is a mess, and um, you know, as as I work in, in, in practice and work with leaders. They've got stuff going on, and we're we're talking about fatigue today for a reason. It's there. It's impacting. Uh, it's impacting performance in organizations. It's impacting relationships, uh, both professionally but also personally. We see a lot of that, 
and Chester was explaining uh, the other night about you know how the significance of, of um, anxiety and stress and, and a number of the stats that um, he's very aware of and sees it. And I know I've, I've had lots of conversations with clients about that in the last few, uh, last couple of years, some of the key topics that I've worked with individuals on are personal productivity. Their judge is probably telling them they're not getting enough done, or maybe their boss is telling them they're not getting enough done and they're working towards burnout. Uh, how to do that, how to deal with stress and conflict. Those have been really big conversations. And in recent months, it's been more about, let's find some really great antidotes to this and look into our personal fitness and see what we can do to, to really move ourselves forward. You know, I, I could tell you um, from my own experience over uh, last several months being a leadership role that I've, I've had many of those moments where I feel like, man, I'm just not, uh, I can't seem to get this. I just can't seem to get this, this, this boat moving the way that I was, that at one point I felt we could do. And it, it, there are periods where it felt not effortless, but it was close to effortless. Um, it, it was it was fun, and then it became less fun. And you know, uh, we could say, "Oh, it was COVID. It was a pandemic. It was." But it was it was this confluence of of a, of a lot of things that eventually started maybe you know to take to take some free rent in my head, <laughs> and um, and suddenly I'm 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 not just feeling it, but I'm beginning to say, "Man, I just don't know what's up." And, um, you know, and I, and I realize that happens in sports as well. And people, they get into a, they get into a funk, they get into a, a, a dry patch and, uh, and the brain starts playing on them. And, and Cavis, I mean, I, I know you've seen this with athletes. You, you probably even experienced it with an athlete and, um, you know, I, I wonder what your perspective is just on, just on that, um, by itself, Cavis, cause you've seen a lot of years of this. Yeah, I'm not no, trying to call uh, you old. I'm just saying you've seen a lot of years. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm approaching that age, so I'm not worried about it. <laughs> but uh, as Dave was speaking about uh, the assessment or the comparison of uh, LeBron James and uh, Steph Curry, I was I jotted down quite in a noise. Uh, High-performing athletes uh, are not perfect. There are a lot of hijackers that I, I see in high-performing athletes that most people don't see. It's the duck and the smoothness above water, but the chaos below the water as they're trying to glide their way across the, uh, the, the lake. But um, from a performance perspective in high-performing athletes, one of the biggest things that they don't grab control of is the outside noise that's telling them about the negatives. Um, even more so today than when I started back in the day, there's so much information and so much negativity coming towards the elite of the elite. So much external pressures. Um, uh, so many multi-million dollar athletes can't make free throws. Why? Because they miss a few and the media starts to ask them about why can't you make a free throw? And then the fan starts to boo them when they don't make free throws. And then you're in a visiting team and there's all these uh, little instruments that's being waved in your face. And they don't learn the art of 
serenity and quieting the noise around and get into that space that says that I've done this a hundred thousand times. I'm capable of doing this. Trust yourself, trust your mechanics, trust your experience and just let it go. Uh, easier said than done. The uh, hall of famers, Shaquille O'Neal, poor free throw percentages, excellent player, but they weren't able to master that saboteur of anxiety or whatever else it is that they are experienced as they step to that free throw line. I would uh, I would add that when we look at the saboteur, um, the the part of our our thinking, the part of our being that is negative and challenging, or anxiety lives. Um, Things are hard. When we're on the sage side, it's ease and flow, and it is our non-thinking mind. We're just doing. <laughs> we don't have the ability to, or we, we're not plagued by the saboteurs that have been intercepted. So we need that saboteur interceptor muscle to know when the saboteurs are there, when they're arriving. And then we need the uh, ability to command ourselves to move to the sage side of our brain and, 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 and have the mental fitness to do that. When we're talking about physical fitness, we got to go to the gym. We got to lift weights. We got to get on the track. We got to hit the trail as I used to do when I was running marathons, you know, put in the hours, uh, do all of that stuff. Now, what do we do from a mental perspective? a mental fitness perspective. A challenge for you and, and, and those that may listen to this down the road. Um, now, are, are you really in command of your mind? Are you really in command of your mind? What would you, um, if you were, would you wake yourself up in the middle of the night worrying about something? Yes. Would you be stressed out over past grudges or when some you were you were uh, not done well to or would you use more of your brain the average person uses maybe 10% of the capacity of their brain what is holding us back probably the answer is our saboteurs that are there that are limiting us and not allowing us to get to the ease and flow where things are are easier to do um or the Steph Curry's as opposed to the others at the free throw line. You know, you know, to, to, to your point about from the physical side, you know, whether it be getting in the gym, getting on the trail, um, you know, warming up, uh, it, 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 I mean, the whole thing is about exercise and then not just the exercise itself, but doing enough reps of that thing to build the conditioning, to build the, the, the automatic functioning, um, so that, you know, you, you create new programming for your body. So if it's, you know, catching a, catching a ball, if it's, uh, you know, the NOLA pass is, is a, is a, would be an, a, an example of you just, your body just does this. You do it enough reps that your body just does these things. Mm -hmm. And, um, but that, that takes, that takes multiple reps in the right mental state, um, in the right physical state. To, to do those things. And so Cave has had some awesome uh, closing speed. Um, I, I'm sure I could probably beat him in a race now. 
<laughs> At least to the I'm fridge. Of that. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 you know the but this but the same thing would be applied to to, to lifting weights, which is you know always something that I, that I love uh, I love to do. But it there, there's a all the technical elements to that. Um, all, all those things are done through repetition. Uh, they're they're done through um, uh, very specific uh, um, uh, movements. There's kinesiology involved. There's biology involved. There's a whole bunch of these aspects in order to kind of get that that performance and and that you know you can respond to a lot of different factors being thrown at you. But in the mind, what does that look like? What does that look like in terms of preparing your mind for in a mental fitness exercise or a mental gym? You talked about oh. that a little earlier. Yeah, so going to the gym for our bodies, barbells, dumbbells, uh, <laughs> weights, lifting, <laughs> whatever you want to call them. Uh, that's 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 you, you can see that when we're talking about mental fitness, we're talking about little fibers that exist, you know, just on the inside of our forehead here and around here. We're talking about little fibers that are in there. And 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 you, you, you need to do you need to do something about that to support their their growth. If one was looking at our brain uh, through an MRI scanner right now, we would if we were very negative thinking, like the client I talked about that had eight eight out of a hundred, there would be a, a lot of neuro neuron activity in the sides of the brain that we that we spoke about. If they were to stop doing that and start using the sage side of their brain, they would physically see neuron activity on the other side of their brain. The way we do that is um, very similar to what has been done for, for many years in working in the area of stress um, and, 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 and counseling is looking at the limbic system and attempting to do different types of breathing exercises. Um, psychologists and, and psychiatrists do these sorts of things to create a change in blood flow at the amygdala level, level and change blood flow in our body. What uh, Positive Intelligence and Shirzad Shanin have done have identified a whole stable of different types of PQ reps, PQ reps, which are activities that include breathing, they include physicality, they include uh, um, uh, text, uh, touch, touch, they include um, visual PQ reps, and, and a whole host of things where it is very clear that we are able to direct ourselves away from the saboteur, focus on the present moment, and allow through our ability to build self-command to move into the sage side. So intercept the saboteurs, focus on the now, have the ability to move then to the sage side and know enough about sage activities and the sage muscles and perspectives and how we work there. So we have a whole gym of activities uh, that we use and they, again, are including breathing exercises. Some of them can be done in, in as little as 10 seconds if you know how to do them and you do them well. The school that we use our intensive training program actually has a system by which we measure these on a given day. We uh, have set targets to work towards to build muscle. We report on the targets, underachievement, overachievement, 
And over periods of time, we can watch the various muscles that we have grow. And they are all tracked so we can have evidence for ourselves. So we can uh, quiet our saboteurs by telling them that they are getting weaker. And we can then work with our sage powers of empathy, of exploration, innovation, um, focus. We can do that uh, with a great deal of confidence and success. The, um, Kavis, um, this, this, the, just what David talked about, the, the visual PQ reps, I mean, all the visualization exercises that we would do um, in, in, in sport before before making a throw or making that lift or those like you know, Dave's nailing nailing all that down, and this is kind of the first time I've been able to kind of picture that as a subset visualization of a subset of a, of a whole bunch of other tools. But uh, I mean, you see more more of this, and you've worked with athletes that that have worked with psychologists in order to build these build these strengths up. What was your experience with this? Yeah, it's a, a personal uh, experience is, you know, I don't know if there is already a patent on this, but I always tell athletes that there's a misnomer that people always say, man, he has great reaction time. Man, look at, at the way he reacts to things. We're always talking about reaction. And I've always told athletes that I've coached, if you can get out the reaction phase, get in the anticipation phase, then the game slows down for you, that slowing it down. And visualization is a part of that. It's actually taking a game and visualizing the sequences of events before they happen, putting yourself in that space and allowing yourself to respond mentally to a first and 10 situation, to a third and goal situation. Put yourself in the most common and the most stressful and see what your response and reaction would be out of the, uh, the field setting in, on your living room couch. Now, when that event happens, you're anticipating it and your body and mind has already seen it and been trained to have a response. You're not reacting in real time. So that's the way I have taught athletes and myself teaching myself that because athletes in certain senses, when it gets into a lot of psychological, psychological uh, jargon, really sometimes tend to focus on one thing and don't grasp the full concept. I want to go to something, Dave, that you spoke about and uh, bringing it to leadership and being fatigued and allowing ourselves to be sabotaged by these, uh, these saboteurs. Are we not, from an outside perspective, always trying to create or make leadership seem as if it has to be perfect? Um, going back to your example, Steph Curry can check off all the boxes, but if he's deficient in one thing, we focus on that. You may be familiar with him. I'm a big fan. Uh, he's my favorite basketball player. He used to be on my favorite team, my favorite team, but I'm still following the player. Ben Simmons, first overall pick in the NBA. He does not shoot free throws very well. He is horrible at three-point shooting because he doesn't take a lot. He's a perennial all-star, or was a perennial all-star, 
defensive runner-up for player of the year. 6'10", 230 pounds or so athlete that can guard one through five. But outside, everyone just focuses on all the things that he does not do well. Do we find that that is the case with most leaders, that we tend to focus on the things that he or she does not do well or doesn't have a capability? And is that also counterintuitive to our counteract in what we always say, surround yourself by people who are not as, where you're not as strong. Are we hypocritical in how we assess leaders, thus creating and activating these saboteurs in them? What, what I would say is, Cavus, perhaps we are unknowing um, victims or, or uh, creatures of our saboteurs. Um, now, the idea of a stickler and perfection, everything has to be perfect. Uh, in, in someone's perception. And for, for me, that, that's something that I have to journey with. And so from a, from a coaching perspective, I need to know that not everything needs to be perfect. Maybe follow the 80-20 rule. If I, like 20% of what I do, if that's really, really, really good, that's good enough. It doesn't have to be 100%. Um, okay is, is good enough. <laughs> and if we tend to try to bring that that desire for perfection into our into our lives into our families into our days we're going to be unhappy all of those negative saboteur feelings are there okay so that that that's what i would say about the perfection part but in terms of the judgment the the judge that i spoke of as one of the saboteurs is literally it's the master saboteur it triggers everything else we all have a sense of what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's bad um, in ourselves, in everybody else, and then in circumstances. If we could judge less, um, we would be much healthier. Discernment is not judging. Discernment is a sage activity. <laughs> that comes from uh, exploring, innovating, kind of navigating through ideas, and then making decisions and activating in a fierce way uh, or courageous way. Um, that's you know that that's what discernment is. Judging is deals with ego. It deals with confidence. It deals with um, personal biases that we don't know about that we might bring to the table. Uh, those those are all unhealthy. When we learn to judge less, first of all, ourself, and not be chronic abusers of ourself through our own self-judgments, um, and start to think more about loving. The less we we can't we can't love someone or be compassionate for them if we're continually judging them. I don't know if that answered your 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 questions, Cadis, but those are some of my my thoughts. Yeah, no, it uh, it brings uh, some clarity to it in that way where we choose to allow that big guy with the gavel that judges to assess a, a sentence on us and how do we get out of that. And as you were speaking, I, I, I go to that CEO. I go to that CEO and that CFO, and their responsibility is profit, profit, profit to the shareholders. Profit, 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 profit. And are they, are they allowed to activate empathy? Are they allowed to activate uh, curiosity? Are they allowed to activate 
a different purpose except the purpose of profit, 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 profit. Um, well uh, documented now being talked about in recent days is, man, most of the inflation is being caused by companies inflating their prices. Does that C- C- CFO, CEO have the ability to empathize with the normal consumer or does he or she just focus on the profit? And is that leadership able to activate the non-judgment of the, the shareholders? Davis, uh, Chester Elton was touching on this the other night and uh, in, in, in that he spoke of the competencies of leaders and what they were 10 years ago or 20 years ago and what they are now. The number one competency of uh, leaders beyond fiscal prudency, the ability to communicate, et cetera, is empathy. It's empathy. And uh, if you don't have that, you are not likely to be able to lead in, in organizations or on teams. Uh, that can be self-empathy, to understand self, uh, and, and, and those around you. You need to be able to, be, uh, to empathize with them. And, and um, you know, last year in Canada, our country, there were 200,000 people retire. On a usual year, it's about 100,000. So twice the number of people um, retired. They chose, you know what, um, I don't need more of this. Perhaps I've got enough stuff and I'm okay. But maybe underlying all of that is the massive change in the workforce uh, where we have uh, millennials are, I think it's 75% of the workforce now. Um, Gen uh, Zs are all there. And you know what? From a perspective of, of, of um, from a mental health perspective, young folks are really open to talk about that. They, they want to talk about that. And those that have retired and those that have been around longer, um, have seen lots of leadership styles, but perhaps the one they're carrying is dated and it may be time to move on because um, literally we have to be able to have empathy for the people around us or we're not going to be able to lead. You know, Dave, um, that that quality, I, I had uh, uh, our, our, our friend Craig invited me to, to listen in on a, on a discussion with Howard Bihar, who was uh, um, the, the president for Starbucks, Starbucks yeah. internationally. And, uh, and, they, and, you know, he was during the period of the growth from 28 stores to 15,000 stores before he retired. And uh, so we had this opportunity a couple days ago to do a bit of a Q&A with him. And um, you know, he, I, I, my notes here, he said, the most important quality of a leader is empathy. Um, he said, it's going to cost you time. It may cost you some money, but it is the most important quality period and uh uh you know he's he 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 went on to talk about um the realization that they had within starbucks that um that they're not in the coffee business serving people but rather we're in the people business serving coffee and and he he said that realization kind of hit the organization when they grew to to, uh, um, you know, from 28 stores to a couple hundred stores and everybody was feeling, hey, the uh, things are just going great. And then they were starting to hit a wall. And, um, uh, and and it was that realization that they go, hey, we need to adjust 
how we think as leaders um, that our business is not the product, <laughs> um, right? It's it's the people. We just happen to have a product that we're that that, that we serve as uh, as people. So, hundred percent, hundred percent agree with you. Yeah. All right. So, Dave, what you know, you, you highlighted a few things on on um, kind of what the the exercise, the PQ reps. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, the, the, the elements, what other things might go into how, how people build their, build their strength and stamina, their, their, their mental, their mental fitness, what other things to do, you know, can and should they be doing? Um, you know, certainly we're going to, I, I want to make sure that, you know, as, when, when we do wrap up here that we make sure that people know how to get a hold of you. Um, oh, yeah. because you know, this, this discussion today is we're just barely scratching the the iceberg here, um, you know, in terms of the type of, uh, of work and discovery that individuals may want to go through. But you know, if you could if you could maybe share a little bit more, and then you know how that shifts to the self command because it, it it starts to, you know, we talked about one side of the saboteur, and then you're, you're how we kind of get to that sage piece, which would, I, I assume then lead us to the ability to, to kind of command ourselves. But we got to be in the right shape to do it. So, yeah. is there more that are there other things that a person should be considering? Yeah. First of all, um, there are not a lot of moving parts in this. Okay. I mentioned there are ten saboteurs. Okay. okay? There yeah. are there are five uh, sage powers. So there's fifteen moving parts here. Uh, on the saboteur side, we typically operate with a judge and a couple of um, ex, ex, uh, ancillary uh, saboteurs that uh, that are at play. So not a lot at play. We need to, to know, to be self-aware enough and care enough about ourselves that when we are in negative emotions, we need to do something about it. And need to hearken it to the example, if you're in negative emotions, it's like, there's, there's a, a red-hot stove burner sitting in front of you, and you're, you're going to put your hand on the stove burner. And staying in negative motions is just like keeping your hand on this hot stove burner. It's not good for you, okay? <laughs> it's not good. Um, you, uh, the, the goodness that comes out of this might be that, ah, I'm getting a signal. <laughs> um, my stickler is rising up. And uh, tell, tell you a story, and this is uh, an interesting one. Um, for me, anyways, and for my wife and family, they've lived with me as a stickler forever. And, and, and stickler has probably proved very successful for me over the years. I've launched a couple of companies. I've been a CEO and I've been worked in financial services. And, you know, I got, you know I've done a lot of stickly kind of things that have been successful. Um, one of them is not when my wife has an idea for a reno saying, okay, uh, tell me what the budget is, when are you going to get it done, uh, you know, who's all going to be involved in this, and going through basic project management with my wife. Uh, and so when I realized that this stickler was at play all of the time, I stepped back when my wife said, we would like to build a pond in the backyard. And I said, wonderful, wonderful. And, and I stepped back. <laughs> I didn't say, so what's the budget? When's it going to be done? What do you want me to do? Um, you know, have you gone through uh, all this, this uh, the, the rudimentaries of, of planning the project? I stepped back. And you know what? 
after a few weeks, uh, I was out there a little bit moving some heavy rocks. We have got the most beautiful pond uh, with two waterfalls in it uh, under a tree in a corner of our yard. Um, people around the world have seen this pond. I've been sharing it. I'd love to be able to show it to you too right now. But anyways, <laughs> beautiful pond. Every time I think about how damaging my stickler can be, I think about how stopping it, putting it away, how wonderful that can, you know, how wonderful that is. And, and, and the, the sage that gives, gives a gift that keeps giving. So, uh, first of all, I'd say just be aware when you're in negative emotions. Okay, just be aware. Then I would say do some PQ reps. Uh, figure out what they are. And, and, of course, we have lots of detail and specificity around that. But, but and, and for training purposes, to build up these muscles, but they, at the end of the day, are very normal things that we can do in our lives to be very mindful of what we're going on. But mindfulness for a purpose, not just to be mindful, just mindfulness towards a purpose. Um, they could even be related to eating. Um, mindless eating has devastating impacts on a lot of people. We live in a, in a world where there's a lot of obesity and there's a lot of mindless eating. To take the time to be very intentional about what we eat, enjoying the tastes, um, and slowing down the pace with which we eat and allowing our system to tell us when we're full before, before we are way over full, um, there can be incredible uh, transformations in people just by being very aware intentionally doing a PQ rep by eating uh, watching your diet and eating your food and enjoying the food you can be happier by doing that than um, than mindless eating so lots of different examples on, on, on PQ reps it really is vital to take the perspective that there is a, a gift or an opportunity in everything that happens and I, I know that's a big ask for some people because horrific things happen in, in our lives. But we need to be able to uh, generally believe that there is going to be something good that can come out of something that negative happens in our lives. It could be a, a bad performance review. It could be, um, well, losing our car. Well, uh, I think, Cavus, maybe the, uh, the ability for you to have a good rapport with your wife that was a nice gift of that. And it's probably even going to be nurtured further in the future. Uh, I, I use that in, in jest, but there is a gift in everything that happens. Okay? And maybe it won't we'll be not going back to that city. <laughs> the, the city that shall not that will not be named. Oh man. But then um, once the gift is 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 apparent using the sage powers like empathy or curiosity, innovation, creativity, calm, focus, clear-headed action, bravery. Uh, that's that those, we learn how to use those and learn tools around that. And uh, there is the higher, you know, uh, uh, an impending probability of better happiness in life rather than the doom that goes along with feeling fatigued, overburdened, fearful, etc. Wow, this this has been uh, this has been wonderful, uh, Dave. And, and I said before we wrapped up, I make make sure people know how to get a hold of you. Well, we'll put certainly put the description in the uh, um, or included in the description of this podcast. But 
Uh, Logiaconsulting.ca is 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 uh, is your website. Um, and, and again, uh, David uh, David Smith. Um, I mean, you're you're working with um, some of the lead, some of the I mean, major leaders in North America um, in in terms of uh, in terms of this this space, this positive intelligence, and um, so we we have we have IQ, EQ, and and, and PQ. And, uh, and and from what, what you've been telling us, it sounds like um, PQ is just as powerful and maybe even more uh, more powerful than, than, than just the focus on, on EQ. And one, one can't really res- exist without the other is what I'm kind of picking up from this. So, um, so I, I appreciate that. And we need a simple operating system to do it. And three muscles, okay? That's, that's what we work with. Self-command the saboteur interceptor, and the sage muscles. Can I tell one story before we wrap up? Yeah, man. Um, <laughs> and and this, this, is not a, this is not a great story, um, uh, or it sounds like it's not, but, but, uh, but it is. Uh, my wife is very active in the business. She's actually a practitioner in, in positive intelligence and mental fitness as well, and has a number of org- people she's working with uh, right now. Uh, she had a, uh, a fall and a brain, brain injury about three and a half years ago that was very debilitating to her. Um, she has made um, miraculous recovery. Her health is wonderful. Her emotional intelligence, her IQ is, I think she's smarter. Well, she's always been smarter than me. But anyways, <laughs> powerful. She's had this wonderful return. And... Um, and, and she attributes a lot of this to um, some of the PQ in, in recent months in working with PQ reps uh, and, and, and work that she's done in occupational uh, therapy and, and with um, neurology, etc. cetera, um, throughout her journey. A bad thing, a slip on ice uh, with a, a skull fracture has turned for her into a pretty good, it's, it's turned out pretty well. What I wanted to add is one of my colleagues in PQ right now is, is a neuroscientist. She uh, left or retired from her practice a couple of years ago after 25 years of working with um, individuals involved in recovery from brain injury. And she told about told the story of how she would explain to people if there are certain things you could you can do like this rubbing your fingers down your hand and feeling the sensations and many other seemingly small exercises. But she never, ever knew if they had enough discipline to do it or if they were done and, and, and if ultimately what, what contributed to their recovery, if there was a recovery. Two years ago, she discovered um, mental fitness and the technology, the app system that we use and she uses it now. She's now an executive coach, <laughs> and she is absolutely delighted to be able to bring the science uh, to to people and the accountability and tracking and all the data that will support people in their journey. Another colleague of mine is an ER doctor, and when we get together, um, she's usually wearing her her, um, her her scrubs, and she's in a room, <laughs> and she's just glowing about her ability to talk to other physicians about the science-based system that will help them in very difficult environments, and we understand that is the case in healthcare. So I just wanted to add those stories. Um, so 
Thank you very oh, much man. for the opportunity to share. Oh, with. Dave. <laughs> Kevis, I, I know what you're thinking, but... Um, Back on. <laughs> man, you know, like... It, Dave, like, you may not be bald, but you're brilliant. I mean, I just don't... <laughs> I mean, we can change the purse. We can change well, the yeah, purse. I, I, I mean, I, I, I got the tools. I can, I can clean this. You look pretty good bald. Well, my, my stylist um, it does, a jo- does the job quicker every time I go, so <laughs> I'm not far away. <laughs> <laughs> it costs you more than the now. Then. Yeah, yeah, I, I understand. I understand. Yeah. You know, um, it's funny for anyone who's listening to this, uh, a, a really interesting article, it's not very long, but an in- interesting article uh, connected to everything that Dave's talking about is in Forbes, uh, Forbes magazine from the January 19th, uh, 2022 issue. It's called What is Mental Fitness and How Do You Achieve It by Jody Michael. Um, it's, uh, it, 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 it it, it's like a 10-second version <laughs> compared to the depth that Dave was able to go in today. But uh, i got to tell you, um, when I talk to you and Kavis, uh, I always feel smarter when I, uh, after, I'm done, after I'm done chatting with you. And so uh, I really appreciate, uh, appreciate your time, Dave, your investment in this. Um, I think this is going to be uh, a, you know, a great podcast. We'll, we'll probably put it in a, into a couple of parts here. Um, just, just so, so people can, uh, uh, can, can, can consume it slowly and, and, and savor every flavor in this, uh, uh, I'll, I'll be eating tonight. Just, just doing that. And, uh, Davis, we, we, we should, we should go get some barbecue and just eat slow. And get kicked out of restaurants. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dave, uh, th- thanks again. Uh, Kavis, anything you want to say as we wrap up? Nope, just stay bald, man. (laughs) (laughs) Davis, Colin, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for uh, inviting me back. Okay. Thank you so very much, Dave.